Welcome to a football show Monday edition here on the 440 Sports Network. That is an exhausted and tired and hardworking Zach Lyons. My name is Braden Gall. It's good to be back in the saddle after a week of watching you boys do absolute work down on the coast. Great stuff. Stackingtheinbox.com. And we're going to try to add some new twists to the content that you and all the guys, Zach, put out there, which is sort of how does all the things you learned last week and all the things you reported on a gazillion different places and ways and and, and with different voices and all, all kinds of great stuff, um, how does that change your perspective of what the Titans draft strategy should be? Uh, depth at different positions, et cetera, et cetera. So we'll get to all that stuff today on the program. Brought to you by Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group. We'll also take a look at the coaching staff as it starts to fill out for Brian Callahan and the Tennessee Titans and maybe some college football at the end if we get to it. Jump into the comments and we will have a good time today. Zach, how are you, sir? Are you well rested? <laughs> No, so uh, I was telling you off air that I had a real estate closing to uh, to go oversee uh, for one of my clients, and uh, last night I woke up thinking that the they sold the house up from underneath us. Like I had all these weird dreams, and then uh, on the way down they didn't have the title ready. So right after the show, that's why I'm a little dressed up a little bit more than normal. You look good. Uh, oh my gosh. I'm sorry to pause, but this is breaking news. My oldest dog finally gave a kiss to my youngest dog, and I oh. just got to witness it. And my wife did not, and she's going to be totally upset. <laughs> breaking news here on the show, of course, brought to you by Sinker's Beverages and the Kingston Group. Yes, stackingtheinbox.com. There is written work. There is audio. Drinking with, uh, sk- drinking with the scouts, if you want to listen to stuff of Stoney and Zach talking with bartenders about you know, like good knee bend and stuff. There's all kinds of great, there's videos there. You got Teron Davenport hanging out. So make sure you go subscribe, of course, stackingtheinbox.com. This is what it brings to you if you're a Titans fan. So make sure you check that out. Football and other F-words. Uh, shout out to the Hot Read Podcast guys as well. And a huge shout out to Stony Keeley of the Sobros Network for, for doing great work down there with you guys as well. So go check it all out. There's tons of stuff there. We're going to kind of try to put it all into a bow today for people. <laughs> There's so much stuff down there. So we got done in the press box recording our last video uh, that we did for the week. After the game, we're recording the video. And I was telling, I because I've been keeping up with the stats, and I told Stoney, I was like, oh, we did seven and a half hours of video and audio content. And Chrissy Ford of Sporting News, formerly of the Draft Network, also did some sporting coverage here in Nashville, goes, y'all did how much? Are you guys insane? Like, that's way too much content for the Senior Bowl. And I go, that's not enough content for the Senior Bowl. (laughs) Doesn't even include all of our written stuff. No, it doesn't, which is great, of course. And and make sure you go subscribe. So really, really good stuff there. And, And we'll try to, again, we'll try to take all the things you learned and I, what I want to I want to know sort of about the Titans draft strategy is sort of a before and an after because I think we all came into, or at least when when the pick was slotted at number seven, and I think we all sort of felt like this is a pretty simple if if or, or like one or the other right we've got a, a couple of great tackle prospects a couple of great receiver prospects two huge positions of need for this team moving forward seems like there's a win win situation there you can maybe include Brock Bowers into that conversation as well if you want to actually start topic talking about specific prospects. But in general, the philosophy and the strategy seems pretty obvious at number seven. Uh, then there's, obviously, you've got a second-round pick right now. You have no third-round pick. After what you saw in Mobile for the entirety of the week and, and the depth of all the different positions, do, do you has anything changed in how you view the first and the second-round strategies that the Titans should sort of, how they should focus on those two picks from a strategic standpoint? Uh 
Yes, but it's not directly related to the Senior Bowl. I guess the Senior Bowl is a little bit more of a uh, a side or part of the overall picture. Um, and it, and I'm going to kind of steal this from the guys that uh, Coach Mack and Ramon Foster, who have heard some of their Senior Bowl content. So I guess it kind of is related to the Senior Bowl content. But it's just best player available. And basically, to put it succinctly, this team sucks. <laughs> there's nobody. There's nobody. There's not. You have to have like twelve studs, and they have like two. <laughs> so, in the big scheme of things, you just have to take best player available. So, I think all this hand rigging and social media conversations and arguments and this or that. LT wide receiver, you have to take a tackle, but the Brian Callahan said this, so he's going to do this. You need touchdowns and blah, 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 blah. At the end of the day, we haven't even gotten to free agency. So all this is kind of a moot point anyway. But at the end of the day, when you're drafting the top 10, you want a day one starter. If Roma Dunze, Malik Neighbors, Joe Alt, and um, obviously Marvin Harrison Jr. are gone, and Let's say that you don't have you have someone higher than Olu Fashanu. Let's say it's a Terry and Arnold. They're gonna take Terry and Arnold. They're not gonna force someone to go higher. Like that's just an example. I'm just saying that okay. that you're gonna go best player available because you want a day one starter. And this team needs day one, year one starters so desperately. You I think we're we've all got tunnel vision. And I understand why. Like I totally understand why. The wide receivers have sucked for so long. The, the offensive line is stuck for now two years in a row. I totally understand it. But good teams build through the draft, and good teams don't draft for need. They draft for best player available. And I think that we have seen that they are a team that's going to roll the dice, play the board, and I think they're going to play the board, and I think that's what they're going to do. And they're looking for fast, instinctive, tough players. Yeah. And we're going to have to fit that mold. I'm not saying that some of these players in the top 10 are projected to go at seven don't at the position of need. I'm just saying that those players could be gone. Those players could be, um, you know, get injured at some point. Uh, at the end of the day, if you're saying I'm team wide receiver, I'm team left tackle, I think you should be on team best player available. I, I think that's right. Um, and if you have any questions for Zach, of course, specifics about players, please jump into the comments. We're going to, Zach's going to take a, a talking about the senior bowl break for a couple of days. So this is our last, this is our last chance to ask him right now about this stuff. I, I look here. Let me, let me, let me give you an example of how maybe I, maybe my perception may be tweaked a little bit, for example, and this, I'm not hundred percent sold on this yet, but just an example. I, I think that I am more comfortable with the offensive line options deeper into the first round than I than maybe I was at the beginning of last week. Let's just say hypothetically. Like I'm a little bit more comfortable with if you were to trade back hypothetically at anywhere from 14 to 25. Let's just say real broadly, right? You trade back, you add a pick. And if, again, I think Terry and Arnold's a really nice player. If they draft him number seven, I'll be disappointed. I think he was a little too handsy and got too many penalties for seventh overall, but made a lot of plays, good athlete, not worthy at seven in my opinion. But Fuago yeah, from just an example. Don't exactly, take it so yeah. literal, Braden. Like you, I'm not allowed to take your stuff literal. Can't take my stuff literal and try to throw it back in my face. All you do is take all my shit literally. Uh Fuaga, for example, at, at offensive mm -hmm. tackle from Oregon State. Obviously, the top center there down in Mobile uh is Jackson Powers Johnson from Oregon, a guy that looks like sort of a late an early twenties 
pick that's the top center off the board that's going to be a guaranteed starter for like 12 years in the NFL. <laughs> like, so, yeah. and, and I've seen, it's I've seen, as, boy. I've seen as many as nine different linemen projected in the first round. I know I want to ask you about Tyler Guyton, who was down there, probably the highest rated player at the senior bowl from a draft prospect standpoint, probably the first senior bowl player off the board. Um, had a fairly consistent week, but maybe going into this, but I don't think out of this he will be. Well, I mean, he's the only one that's down there that's even projected. I mean, now that's true. Mitchell, the corner out of Toledo, um, is another guy. That's well, Fuaga this morning, I, I read a mock draft, for example, a mock draft this morning that had Fuaga higher than Guyton. So, and I, I always might... kind of thought those two kind of like interchange, but I don't think, I think if you talk about a guy that may have hurt his stock a little bit while other people helped their stock a lot, Guyton would be the guy that was like, still going in the first round. But I don't know if he's as he's not he's not on solid footing, if if you will. Yeah, and I've seen nine offensive linemen, up to nine or even ten offensive linemen, sort of as top thirty-two prospects, not mock drafts, but yeah. like top thirty prospects. Right. Which means, and and ultimately, the question was about the second tier, right? We we trust Joe Alt, we trust Fashanu. Uh, you know, we can have some debates probably about J.C. Latham, but like there was questions about some of these other guys in that second tier, and it does feel like for example, this week of practice, established a few of those guys as quality players. Now, additionally, with Bill Callahan now as the offensive line coach for the Tennessee Titans, I would assume that a situation like Broderick Jones last year, where the Steelers drafted a guy who just is not a dog at all. <laughs> like, I would assume that Bill Callahan helped draft in the fourth round. Helps you avoid those. Well, am I missing? Who's the guy that was first round? Am I wrong about that? Who am I thinking from Oklahoma or okay? I'll I'll, I'll go back and well, Dewan Jones is isn't there was no, Dewan Jones and Broderick Jones, the, the the Jones that they got at the Cleveland Browns was uh, a fourth rounder. So I don't know which one it was, but I mean he was drafted in the fourth round. He was not drafted in the first. Sit tight, real fast here, and I'll, I'll the pull other up one through. went. Um, I'll pull up the draft. Can't remember where he went, but um, vamp vamp. <laughs> I would say this. So to your point. Pittsburgh drafted trade, Broderick. Pittsburgh drafted Broderick Jones, fourteenth overall. Yeah, in the in the DeJuan first round. Jones is who the Browns drafted, and that's who Bill Callahan. That's why I'm saying that's who Bill Callahan with the Browns got to be a starting, very good. I think he was right tackle out of the fourth round. Yeah. Yes. What, what I'm I'm so, supporting what you're saying. I'm supplementing what you're saying. Gotcha. Yeah. And I I'm like using Bill Callahan. What I'm what what I'm ultimately landing on here is. With Bill Callahan's expertise, you should be able to avoid like the whiff, the guy who's just like you. You should be able to parse out if there are nine graded out first round offensive linemen. I would assume that like you should be able to pick out the two that you think just clearly aren't it that don't hit right, and because Callahan should give you a level of expertise at this position that hopefully you you haven't had in in the Isaiah Wilson era of Tennessee Titans drafting in the first round. So if we were going to say, hey, how did how, how did your strategy change? I, I think it's that I still love offensive line with the first pick, but I like that pick maybe back in the first round a bit. If you can add some draft capital, of course, that means a million other things have to happen. You have to be able to have mm -hmm. a partner, et cetera, et cetera. But it also, I, I think you pair that with the fact that quarterback is a wildly in a, in unpredictable game right now in the first round. And that there's a chance somebody likes somebody at seven that falls to seven. And I, I just think when you package those th two things together, I'm even higher on trade back, which is kind of always my default setting, which is best available mm -hmm. and trade you. back. 
Yeah, I'm with you. Um, I got I got into this, and I'm on the Music City Audible this week. Um, and I got into this with uh, Mello. A lot of people are like, "Well, he just can't. He's not the kingmaker." You know, Bill Callahan's not a kingmaker. You need to get Joe Walt in the first round. I'm like, well, everybody has said that he's this kingmaker. We know that he is somewhat of a kingmaker for for these offensive linemen, and he could take competent, hardworking offensive linemen like Jones in the fourth round, which we saw, like Wyatt Teller, who just about three or four years ago was on his way out of the league and now has three Pro Bowls because (laughs) of, of Bill Callahan's teaching. So you can't have it both ways, right? Like I think I feel like these people are like you can't turn around and say at the beginning, man, Bill Callahan would be the best hire because he's the best offensive line coach in the league, and then turn around and say, well, you can't make Patrick Paul anything because Patrick Paul, you know, blah 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 blah. He's a second round dude. Patrick Paul's pretty good, and he's already at the O line masterminds and what he's been working on at the O line masterminds with Duke Manyweather. He's one of eighteen prospects he put into action this week. He also put into action the coaching uh, the coaching points that he was given. Patrick Paul in the second round is a good pick for the Tennessee Titans at a position of need that may not be a player that you want. But when you have Bill Callahan, that really raises the floor or lowers the risk, however you want to look at it. You can either raise the floor of a prospect or lower the risk of a prospect because you have Bill Callahan. You can't start backtracking now that he's here and, and now nobody wants to draft your, you know, your favorite prospect in the first round that he's not even good anymore. That Bill Callahan's not that good. Bill Callahan could turn. Listen, the, the the Eagles gave up on Andre Dillard. But when Andre Dillard played for the Eagles, there's a reason why all of us wanted them to trade for Andre Dillard last year. There's a reason that we all thought until we started seeing him at training camp that Andre Diller was going to be good because when he did play for the Eagles, he was good. Maybe he was really a, a C minus player, a D player that got brought up to a B minus to a C plus player because of coaching. But that's what good coaching does. And supporting guys can elevate some players. And then they go somewhere where they have bad coaching and they're bad. And so I think when you look at it all that I think Bill Callahan provides you flexibility when you go into the draft you want as much flexibility as possible and that because things don't go your way in the nfl draft nine times out of ten you're gonna have to be flexible a guy that you thought was gonna be there is not gonna be there a guy yep so it's all about mitigating risks and mitigating disappointment and bill callahan can do a lot i'm if you were to ask me to build out a big board joe alt number one for this tennessee titans team if you were to ask me what I think the Tennessee Titans have Joe Walt, I think they have three wide receivers over him and then Joe Walt. And I don't know if Olu Fashanu is the fourth guy on the top of that. Like, I don't know if Olu Fashanu is going in the top 10 right now. And I yeah. th- that's just my overall feelings. And that has nothing to do with the talent or what I think he is as a prospect. But I don't know if the Tennessee Titans have. I, I wonder how many players between Joe Walt and Olu Fashanu do they have. Yeah, and I could almost say that I kind of feel like maybe – a guy like Talisa Fuaga could be ahead of Olufashanu because that dude is fucking violent. <laughs> that dude I, was awesome this week. Oregon State's offensive line, one of the most dominant, well-coached, and developed physical groups in the entire country. It led to them having a, a, almost a shot at the Pac-12 championship game last year. 
and of course, it led to Jonathan Smith, the head coach at Oregon State, going on to Michigan State. Uh, they're very well coached, very well coached yeah. players at Oregon State. And so, I, I again, this is uh, would you back like would you agree if I just said, look, I think the top of the offensive line class, in particular, tackle maybe a little bit deeper after last week, including including center and interior guard, like just just a little bit deeper in general, maybe than we expected. Some of those guys proved themselves last week. Fair. Yeah, I, I think so. Like, I look at it, and I think a lot of people, I, I don't know if I'd feel as confident in what I'm saying as if it wasn't for the Bill Callahan X factor. I think there's really, outside of the offensive coordinator, defensive coordinator, I think offensive line is your most important position coach. But I also think that Bill Callahan and Jeff Stoutland are the two most important coaches they, they, they're just as important as head coaches in some instances. Like, it'll be very interesting to see what Kevin Stefanski and the offensive line looks like without Bill Callahan. You don't see a lot of fans get upset that their offensive line coach is leaving. <laughs> and, like, yeah. they, they're lighting candles at, in Cleveland, hoping to bring him back. I mean, that's how good he is. So I think that I am with you. I think that, yeah, I don't think Guyton had the best week. But if you trade back and you land with Tyler Guyton and a couple extra picks and you got him with Bill Callahan, boom, there you go. And you pick yeah, up exactly. Ledham, you pick up, you pick yeah, up T Talisa exactly. Fawaga, you pick up uh, Amarius Mims, who I'm not really particularly high on, but hey, Bill Callahan, I don't care. As long as Bill Callahan's here, I don't care. Yeah. Ed Henry, says, care. Ed Henry says, I'm more comfortable taking an O-line later because of Bill Callahan and his chances to develop a second-tier tackle. That's exactly what we're saying, Ed. And I agree and, with and you. Lo I, logically... But I, I do Joe think, Walt. like, there's no doubt. Yeah, in my yeah, mind. yeah. yeah. You're ask me, gun to my head, do you want Joe Walt yes. or the field? I want Joe Walt. Yes. And the question is, do you have to? Still, do you that. still have to pick in the first round to get a second tier tackle? And I think you do. I think yeah. you do because I think Alt's the top tier, and then I think there's like six guys. And the good news is, there's like, and then you could probably include the top center in that conversation. Maybe a guard, probably not an option, but the number one center at 22. I, that's a that's a pretty good value pick for Will Levis. So so ultimately, let's 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 move to the next second round then, because I don't think I think the first round pick. I think we've kind of hit that. Sinkers Beverages Kingston Group, by the way, buildkg.com. Sinkers Beverages. And some of these will go in the second round, right? Like I yeah, mean, maybe. Yeah. Like there's not going to be ten offensive linemen that go in the first round. People no, say that all the time about a certain position group, and then it never happens. We got to be realistic. There's only thirty two spots. I don't think. 10 offensive linemen are going in the first. Well, first. this is what ties directly into the quarterbacks. And I, you know, I don't, we, we don't want to spend a ton of time on the quarterbacks because the Titans aren't necessarily in the market for it, but it does tie into what could be available or teams that want to fly up to the board and get somebody like, I think Mims and the kid out of Duke, by the way, are the two offensive linemen that I could see flying, falling out of the, the, the first round. Uh, I do not think, um, that Powers Johnson is falling out of the first round. I think the Oregon center will be a first round pick. And I think there's probably six tackles you can almost lock in as first round picks. Uh, but again, to your point, the draft is unpredictable. Things happen. Players fall. How many names did we talk about with this Titans team over the last five years that ended up falling out? I mean, Harold Landry, Rashawn Evans, like there's all kinds of guys that fell out. Adoree Jackson, Ke uh, Kelvin, Ful uh, 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 Christian Fulton. <laughs> how, how could I forget Christian Fulton? Yeah, because I, the, I, the other, the team that should have took Christian Fulton in the first took uh, Isaiah Wilson in the second. Yeah, that's true. Or the first. Uh, so ultimately, and again, um, Seekers Beverages Kingston. By the way, we had a great reminder to those of you who were not a part of the show last week, last year. Many of you were, and we do appreciate your support. Awesome draft party last year with Sinkers Beverages at their great offices in Wedgwood, Houston. 
We are working on some stuff for you folks for this year. I just want to float that out there. Sinker's Beverages, great liquor store in East Nashville, sister store Bluegrass, sponsor of F-Words up there in Hendersonville. Go shop and buy your booze there. You can Uber Eats and search Sinker's Beverages. They'll deliver the booze right to your house. Zach? They drive so you can drink. But we got we got some stuff planned for you. So we're working. We're, we're in the shop working on what could be available for you guys for the NFL draft coming up this year. Um, Hayden says, I also think it's worth noting that the O-line shined and wide receiver did not shine so much on the depth pieces in Mobile. That is my next question because the second round pick has felt like the the quote-unquote wide receiver pick for the Titans for a while. Now, I want to float two theories. One, and I know you floated this on the Thursday episode, which is that there could be some or no, this was like actually stacking the... I've gotten all your content confused, Zach. <laughs> this was, I think, you and Stoney talking, um, drinking with scouts about defense, potentially, for the Titans. Defensive line, in particular, at the top of the second round. So I want to get your thoughts on that strategy change or tweak. Best available, potentially. But also, the wide receiver group, outside of Marvin Harrison and maybe the other two, Adunze and, and Neighbors, it doesn't feel like receiver in the first round is the right play but it also doesn't feel like there's a ton of guy like how did you feel about the depth at receiver from mobile now looking at the entire big board well uh, one of the drinking i think our first episode of drinking with the scouts uh we talked about how i we don't think the wide receiver depth is as good as what everybody thought it was and i i i think everybody thinks that the second round is going to be littered with really good wide receivers i think your second round is ad mitchell and nobody there's going to be a lot of there's going to be it's good. It, there's a lot of wide receivers with a wild variance of skill sets of play of of ceilings and floors. There's going to be a lot of hit or misses in the second round. Now, I do think that a guy like Roman Wilson or a guy like Jamari Thrash could sneak into the second round. Everybody's going to be like, where did those names come from? And they came from the senior bowl It's like when Jaden Reed jumped up into the second round for the Green Bay Packers. Nobody was really expecting that, and he put together – he has good tape, good production, put together a really good senior bowl, a so-so combine. I mean, he had some good – some highs and lows from the combine, but I knew he was going to interview well, but that's a guy that just suddenly popped up in the second round, and look what he's doing now. He's been used in all kinds of different ways. He was scoring touchdowns like crazy. He's a really good young develop player that played in year one in round two, but he wasn't on anybody's radar. Unless you went to the senior bowl and you paid 10 shark coverage. Yeah, yeah. Darnell so, writes Darnell writes the other one, by the way, as an example of names yeah. that can fly up the board. Last year, it would be Jaden Reed and Darnell Wright for sure. Right. And and so I look at it and I go, okay, Jamari Thrash. And I think that Roman Wilson did the most to sneak be that second round guy where everybody's kind of like, whoa, I did not yep. hear there's yep. When I do my PFN mock, my PFF mock draft, he's there in the fourth round. Right, so that's right. an that's a reach. It's not going to be a reach. Those guys know what they're doing, and I think with the right fit is like it's all going to be dependent on fit. If the Titans were to draft Lad McConkey, I don't know if it's going to be a good fit, really or not. But if the Los Angeles Rams drafted Lad McConkey, yeah. they're getting five Super Bowls. Like <laughs> they they're just going to have that's a lot of guys. A lot of Super yeah, Bowls for a third three, round receiver. Super Cup, <laughs> Cooper Cup, Puka Nakua, and Lad McConkie are just going to go crazy. Um, but I I think, you know, like Square Ups and Ty Tyler Coleman, Brent, Keon Coleman, Xavier Worthy, I think they both have some big negatives to their game. They could be, but if they go to the right round, like 
I feel like remember how everybody was really, and this including me, was really high on Cedric Tillman and Jalen uh, yeah. Hyatt, right? Yep. And I think Cedric Tillman's Keon Coleman. Jalen Hyatt is Xavier Worthy. You're <laughs> not going to hear those names in year one of their rookie year. Now, they may get better, but I feel like those are two good comps for those players that everybody's like, well, the Titans got to draft them in the second round, and then they keep falling. And then you kind of figure out, well, they're yep. not that good yep. in the pros, and they have a long way to go. I, and I, I was totally wrong about Cedric Tillman because I thought yeah. Cedric Tillman was going to be a stud. I, I, think ulti- I think ultimately I agree with your broad point, which is that there might be a couple of names that get drafted early in the second round, but where the Titans are picking and where they should, where in theory they would have been picking in the third round is actually a far more reasonable target for a wide receiver. I, you know, if you look at Roman Wilson, he's about top 75 in most mocks and most rankings. And that will same, shoot same, up. same thing with thrash. So if, if they fin, if they're in that 75 range, well, that's fringe early third, late second. That means your sort of margin for errors, then probably 15 or 20 picks either direction, depending on who likes you or who doesn't. But that really, honestly, the, the thing that I would have changed is if you're not going to go wide receiver at seven, that really, I don't think you should, you, you should be efforting to gain more equity with a trade back or something of that nature. But really the top of the third round is where you should be targeting wide receiver, not mm-hmm. the top of the second round, which is, I think how, I think it's, it seems like that's how you feel. So with that in mind, sort of, I, I mean, I, I'd rather them trade their second round pick than their first round pick, get the second round pick and then go from there. Um, I, I think your two best, I think your two best known names at pick 38, if you just want known names from someone, you would look at A.D. Mitchell, and I, I could be talked into Malachi Corley if A.D. Mitchell's gone. If you are wanting, if you are wanting the, um, you know, the, the, the surprises in the second round, I would say Roman Wilson and Jamari Thrash. I would think those are surprises. Because I think Lad McConkey is going to go in the second round. I think everybody kind of knows he's going to go in the second round. I think Ricky Pearsall could sneak in there. I, uh, he I, is, I think he's a really good someone. Player. He's a good player. <laughs> he, he got bodied. He was on the ground know, like two or I three know. times day one, and then he disappeared day That's, three. But this is why I think practice. all these guys. This is why I think all these guys are third round grades relative mm-hmm. to maybe other years. I think Adonai Mitchell, AD Mitchell. I don't, yeah, I agree. I don't think I don't think second round is going to be like littered with all these wide receivers taken right. like everybody thinks. I, I think I, everybody's I, totally. And I, I, I think if agree. you take Xavier Leggett in the second round, you're asking for a lot of hurt. But he, you know, he so he is so hard to like. He's one of those guys that I loved watching the entire season. The burst at, at his size, two hundred twenty. 25 pounds is incredible, but like there's some flaws there to the game. Um, so we'll, we'll see. And, and I, what I, again, this is ultimately that we're at the very beginning of this process. we got the combine coming up. We're going to have all kinds of stuff to sort of break down, but this is the first big chunk of data that we've got on outside of the tape the, itself. This is the first kind of big chunk of data. So it means you have to make adjustments. And I think, I think the adjustment for me is there's more depth in the first round at O-line and less depth in the second round at receiver. That's my two kind of big takeaways that, that are this early in the process before the Super Bowl, of course, takes place. <laughs> I would say if you if you want some advice from me, I would look at, I always buy Dane Brugler's The Beast and his big board, and I also look at the movement of players on Daniel Jeremiah's, not their placements, how much they move up and down, because what Daniel Jeremiah's big board is telling you is, is that if a player is moving down or moving up, that means that is not based really on his evaluation. It's based yep. more on what he is hearing. So, <laughs> the, I, I'm again, 
if you focus too much on, whoa, I can't believe he's got, you know, Bo Nix at 15. But if you look at the previous one, he has him at five. There's a reason that he dropped down to 15. Well, and now I'm seeing Michael Penix and Bo Nix. And I agree with you completely. And and now I'm seeing Bo Nix and Michael Penix in the second round. So (laughs) very, very attention. I wouldn't pay attention to General Jeremiah's mock drafts or not say they're not good or anything. But I would say that looking at the big board and how it moves for Daniel Jeremiah is much more important than what his mock draft really says. I, I completely agree. And and Brugler, by the way, has um, Corley, the, the Western Michigan receiver, right? He's got him as one of the top receivers at the Senior Bowl. Him he, and Wilson, he had him a and good Wilson week. as well. Uninspiring day one, but day two, he had that. He had a couple of moments where I'm like, oh, okay. that is the Debo okay. comp. Like I see, I see. The Debo comp now, and I uh, I really like what I've saw out of Malachi Corley. So I can be talked into him. Is he as, like, is he as I thick? I would have AD Mitchell. Yeah, he's thick. He's built okay. like a running right. back. Okay, good, good. Uh, Trey says, I don't know. Uh, I mean, like how thick he was compared to Debo as a as off the top of my head as a prospect. But that dude looks like a wide back, like the wide receiver okay. running back. Trey says, uh, does a week at the Senior Bowl with pads on, one on ones, etc., or a week at the Combine carry more weight for you from a scouting POV? My 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 quick short answer would be tape one. Uh, one-on-ones in com- senior bowl, maybe two, and then combine three if I had to rank those three. But uh, tape is always number one. Uh, tape's one. I would say that senior bowl is two, or combine is two A, senior bowl is two B. Okay. But for me, because what you're looking at the senior bowl is not really the, the top of the top prospects. That's you're true. looking at the guys that are like, fringe day one to day three players and that does a lot it does a lot more for the player than it does for the the process itself i guess so those specific players if if all the combine players were at the senior bowl that'd be a totally different story. yeah, yeah, yeah that's true but i, I so I, I i think that combine still reigns supreme because the the meetings mean more the interviews mean more the kind of stuff that kind of happens behind the scenes yep. means more. Yep. And of course the testing and how they handle that stuff. Well, and, and Quinion Mitchell, the corner from Toledo for a guy like that. And the kid, um, oh. uh, the yeah. kid out of New Hampshire, the running back out of New Hampshire, yeah, what, what it benefits, it, it benefits the, the, the smaller school players to be put into a, a bigger pond. It, it, yeah. it absolutely benefits, benefits those guys. And so I, I think, and that's another thing I'm going to ask you about is running backs. I think there's a lot of really good running backs, that if the Titans want to target on day three, was, holy crap! Day, th- I think this is a good day three draft for running backs. I think there's a lot of depth and talent at that position. Um, we can touch touch on the, the quarterbacks here for for a second if you want. And I, I, you know, look, Joe Milton stock down colored me just totally shocked and surprised. Uh, Spencer Rat <laughs> Spencer Rattler uh, better than stock his up. Be, because he played behind. A, t- a Tennessee Titans like SEC offensive line for two years. Of course, he's better now that he's got offensive linemen in front of him. Um, yeah, and I think was, ult- uh, he he was the best quarterback this week. Ultimately, Penix and Knicks, if they were to fall late first round or early second, this is where again we get into the Titan strategy in the second round, which I think I'm coming around on a, a high level defensive player because those are the guys that tend to fall. Now, if you go receiver at seven, maybe there's a high level offensive lineman that falls, but I don't like taking that risk. <laughs> I, I yeah. like I like the idea of a high level defensive player, whether it's corner, linebacker, maybe the best linebacker in the draft. Who knows? Sometimes they do fall into the second round. Jack Campbell, for example, uh, or last year or a defensive lineman. I think there's a I think there's a lot of intrigue to the Titans keeping that door open very much um, at, at the top of the second round. 
I, I will say this, uh, how high could Rattler and McCarthy go up? We'll see McCarthy's testing and all that kind of stuff. But I, I think I'm not saying Rattler's going in the first, but Rattler's going to be a guy that's going to go a lot higher than what people think. Base, and that's a guy who improved his stock at the senior bowl. Uh, two other guys, you mentioned one, Quinion Mitchell, definitely going in the first round. Jack's yep. power. Johnson's definitely going in the first yep. round. You cannot convince me otherwise, unless they come back and just test piss poor and, take dumps in the middle of their interviews, like literally pull their pants down and take dumps. That's the only way these guys are not going the first round. It's wonderful imagery. But also another guy like Darius Robinson uh, from the kid out of Missouri. Missouri I've talked yeah. all year about the Missouri defense and how much fun they were watching, how I was choosing Missouri to win some games that I didn't think they would and how I'm sitting there watching them take LSU to the limit. Chris Abrams drain had a good year. Uh, or a good senior bowl. Cody Schrader had a good senior bowl, but nobody did more than Darius Robinson to help their stock. He, That's a guy that if he's not in your mock draft in the first round by the end of this cycle, by the your final mock draft, if he's not in the first round, your draft's missing at least one. He's one player wrong. Because I think he's going in the first. I, all uh, This is what I love. I'm so excited about this draft for some strange reason. Darius Robinson, by the way, I talked to him at SEC Media Days here in Nashville before the season started. Like, that they're they're incredibly mature football players at Missouri, and I think it led directly to their success this year. Very smart, thoughtful guys, and I think that that helped. Um, but yeah, he's already mocked into most first rounds right now, back into the first round. Um, so again, that's a guy that could be available beginning of the second round. That absolutely, is if a, he's there at thirty eight, I think I think you got you can't pass him up on thirty eight. That guy that guy yeah. dominated at least a few times. Every type of def- offensive lineman he went up against, he was a beast. That the scouts, I mean, the scouts were all walking around with boners all damn day because of Darius Robinson, almost all week. It was it was not safe for work. I do want to chime in with square up about Rattler and McCarthy. So McCarthy right now is being projected anywhere from top 15 to late first round. Rattler's significantly behind that, but certainly improved his stock. Here's what I would say. Both of them are high pedigree recruits coming out of high school. Rattler was a five-star kid who was a starter right away at Oklahoma, transferred to South Carolina, certainly played behind a piss-poor offensive line at South Carolina, but but but, but made, made progress in his time in, in, in Columbia. I think McCarthy, people ask all the time. I get asked this a lot from people. Is, it, is J.J. McCarthy like better than we think or worse than we think, or what's the deal? And I'm like, I think he just is what we think he is. And I think he's got a lot of really sound tools, a lot of really good skills. But I don't think like every a lot of people say, well, Michigan underutilized him this year. And a lot of people will say, well, it's because he's not that good. And so I think there's I think he's just sort of this middle of the pack, like of this particular class quarterback. I, I don't think he's a guy who takes over games. I don't think he has nearly the skill set that Will Levis has from a size and arm strength standpoint and any of that stuff. So to me, I think McCarthy kind of is a late first round pick. He falls. And I think during the draft process is going to fall a little bit. And then I think Rattler kind of slowly works his way up from like sixth rounder to like third rounder, if that makes sense. That's how I, that's how I, yeah, it, it will be interesting to see what the combine does for both those guys, the interview process and all that kind of stuff. There's something about JJ McCarthy. I really liked. And then towards the end of the year of the college year, I didn't like him anymore, and I like him even less. And I think that if someone were to draft him in the first round, you're looking to get fired. Like yeah. that's kind of how I feel. I agree. I mean, but that's just me. So uh, <laughs> you are checking scouts' crotches for scouting purposes. Here's what I want you to do from now on. Well, I'm just saying, I'm just saying, I couldn't ignore it. I mean, yeah. you know. Well, you no, I think you, no, I think you should actively check crotches from now on. I think you should bring. Uh, you need to bring a little measurement, and it needs to be. Quarter chub, half chub, three quarter chub, full chub, and that's the the, the measurement 
for how excited they were you engorged. are. They were engorged. They were engorged, Chubb. <laughs> fully, fully engorged. Uh, Chubb, what about Mason Smith? You missed the second A there, Tyler. In the second round, he'll be removed. He's a defensive lineman from LSU, tore his ACL two years ago. Really, really like elite talent. Maybe not the same player since the injury, so that is going to be interesting to check through medical evaluations yeah. with him. Um, but otherwise, I, I think, look, I think there's – give me some quick other observations here because I think running back, really, really interesting, deep. Um, I think there's lots of options in the fifth, sixth, seventh round there for for good running backs that were down there at the Senior Bowl. Uh, linebacker, was there anybody even worth targeting at the top of the second round to fill a need for this team at all? No, no, no. I mean, the, these linebackers that were down here, I mean, there were some they, – they showed out at the game. They must have read everything and heard everything we talked about because they were they were flying around everywhere. Uh, but I would not be touching a linebacker in the second round of this draft based on what I saw at the Senior Bowl. Uh, I think I think guys you could see that sneak in to the second round that maybe you're going to see on your PFF mock drafts in the fourth round are guys like Max Melton out of Rutgers, uh, Nehemiah Pritchett, um, uh, Cam Hart. And uh, Chris Abrams drain all have a chance to be like kind of like that back end of the the second round where you're kind of like, hmm, wonder what they saw in Chris Abrams drain because I saw him in a fourth round draft pick on the PFF. Um, basically, if you ever want me to grade a mock draft and you have one of those four guys in the, that mock draft in the fourth round, of the Tennessee Titans, you're getting an A plus for me <laughs> because those guys really, really showed out. They were great all week long. They were great from the from opening bell to closing bell. For three days at a week, and then also in the uh, the uh, the final game, I I thought they were awesome, and I encourage you all to go listen to the day three podcast of the OTP covering the Senior Bowl. And they interview Max Melton, and you guys are going to be like, that dude is a Tennessee Titan. Denard will <laughs> have him in the All Pro uh, by like year two. That dude is legit, and the the all these guys, what I liked about him the most was that they were physical and they lined up against all kinds of wide receivers in press coverage and they dominated those wide receivers when that when they were in press coverage more, more often than not and that was a total difference from last year's uh senior bowl 1v1s and team yeah. drills with wide receivers and defensive backs there's also so many names that I think did pretty well this week that again if the titans had an early third round pick you could possibly look at whether it's Tyke Smith, the safety out of Georgia, Braden Fisk, the defensive tackle out of Florida State. There's just Fisk, so many Fisk names. was really good this week. There's so many names that I think uh, Tavondre Sweat, if he gets out of the first round, could be there in the second round. I think he's, again, not a third round guy. Um, but again, you, you start looking at that, you know, Chris Braswell is another name that edge rusher for Alabama could be there in the second mm -hmm. round, potentially as a target. Uh, you mentioned Darius Robinson. There could be the cor both corners, actually, from Missouri could be available. Uh, there as well and then you've got uh, the both louisville kids the corner uh brownlee and um the receive the receiver thrash both could could be guys I love target. jamari thrash but so jarvis brownlee jr i don't think he goes in the second he's a little thin yeah. but that dude will stay in your hip pocket and annoy <laughs> the shit out of you like uh it was insane how much he got under the skin of his wide receivers and he got an interception in the game but like he is on your hip, and if he loses a little bit of ground, he has great makeup speed. I'm not sold that he's a second rounder, but that's a guy who uh, – I yeah. mean, the cornerbacks were fantastic this year. Very, uh, very good. 
Peyton Wilson is a great undervalued linebacker. That's the guy who basically made every single possible human play that a football player could make at NC State. If you want to, he may not grade really well or test really well, but if you want the tape to outshine everything else, go look at Peyton Wilson. He should test well. He's very fast, but I didn't feel like he made a lot of plays this week. Uh, Another guy that kind of like, I think they also showed, and I can't remember if it was zero lines. Matt or Matt Miller's uh, mock draft, but he fell fell very far in his layout too late late to. Yeah, uh, a lot of people acted like he had a really good week, and he really didn't. He has he's very toolsy, but he wasn't very quick, and he injured himself this week. Like yeah. he had another injury to his knee. So I don't know I don't, how severe it is, but just very interesting that he had a very underwhelming week, and he ended up injuring getting injured again. I don't think no, that was a bad a bad week for him in general. I don't think he was there, but Edron Cooper at at a and M is, is a is a guy that plays sort of a traditional weak side linebacker in like a four three scheme. That might not be what we want to see from this team, but that's a guy that I think second third round is going to be very very talented. J J D Bertrand seemed like the best linebacker maybe there for 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 the senior bowl but he's not i think a, he was he during the week you know. but i guess not he didn't didn't really do it for me and i think a lot of people liked his leadership during the week and how he organized the defense but i thought er, during the game he didn't show up and guys like yeah. cedric gray uh tyrese knight uh jackson sermon nathaniel watson those guys showed up during the game okay and I would say Jackson Sermon probably showed made plays on the ball during the week as well. He was probably the only linebacker that was really like, oh, well, that guy's good. Yeah. So um, I, I think there's lots of good linebacker options in like the fourth round. Um, corner yeah. maybe in the second round. Defensive line maybe in the second round. Really need Receiver. a third round pick in this draft. Yeah, you do. Don't say that. <laughs> yeah, you do. But the good news is, is that yeah. everybody's deathly afraid of picking in the sixth and seventh round this year for in the fifth. They want picks in the second, third, and fourth. That's the 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 hubbub, the senior bowl scuttlebutt, if you will, is that everybody wants pick in the second, third, and fourth. And so if you're there in the second round and you want some picks i think you could get more than what you get more this year than what you gave up last year for will levis so move back from top of the second to middle of the second get yourself a third call it a day get your receiver in the third round get your corner your defensive lineman your front front seven player in in the second round come back and get a linebacker in the or maybe a corner in the fourth round and then get your running back later on in the draft as well so there you go i do need to give a shout out to kingsley eguacon a Florida center who had a dominant week, uh, Charles Turner, thir- the third CT three. He had a really, really good week. And when you're talking about centers, those are two guys and Dominic Puny who played both guard and center. That's another guy to keep on your radar because Tennessee Titans do need offensive linemen. Right. Yeah, I could I, center in the fourth or fifth round also seems like a very real possibility. Got to get uh, Brendan, man. They need him. No, need I know J- Jerry Rice's kid. Brendan Rice had a pretty good week. He's kind of in that same yes, range as Roman Wilson in terms of overall physical draft. and coachable. So, that's that's the thing yeah. that I took away from him is that he's extremely, extremely coachable and he will take what you tell him and put it into practice right there on the field. He will. It won't take him a couple of tries. You only have to tell him once. I wonder where he and got I, that from. I wonder where he got that. I don't know because <laughs> apparently he just started building a relationship with his dad in the last five years. So, you know, well, it was interesting. I don't know still, the whole story behind it, but you still can't fake genetic makeup. Uh, that is for sure. And I'm not talking about athletic ability. I'm talking about the focus and the work ethic and all that other stuff. Sinkers beverages, Kingston group, of course, BuildKG.com is the website for Kingston group. Make sure you check out their socials as well uh, at the Kingston group, Instagram, Twitter, uh, all that good stuff. The website is, it, it'll show you, 
phenomenal work that they do. They're a nose to tail operation. They will take care of whatever needs you have from a home buying or selling situation, remodeling. They they do the entire design work in-house. So they kind of take you from start to finish. You don't need any outside contractors. None of this like two thirds of the way through the job. They're going to walk out. No, they are from start to finish. Make sure you go check out the Kingston Group, of course, and our lovely and amazing friends, Sinkers Beverages in East Nashville and Bluegrass Beverages in Hendersonville. Uh, okay, the coaching staff, Nick Holes, looks like he is going to be the offensive coordinator. The Jacksonville passing game coordinator was at UNLV as an OC just two years ago. This feels a little bit like a loyalty hire, but we'll get to that in a second. Denard Wilson, uh, defensive backs coach for Baltimore. Uh, most everybody rave reviews on him being the defensive coordinator uh, for Brian Callahan, as we mentioned, Bill Callahan coming in to be the offensive line coach. Two former Titans, Steven Jackson is your defensive backs coach. He was formerly at Atlanta, played for this team. Uh, and then Frank Bush is the linebackers, going to be the linebackers coach also at Atlanta. Tyke Tolbert's the one that we're going to get to because it seems like that's the one people are really excited about is going to coach the wide receivers. He was at Chicago last year. Let me get started first with just the top of the pyramid here, which is Brian Callahan, Nick Holes, and Denard Wilson. All three are in in their roles for the first time in the NFL play calling for both Wilson and, and Callahan. So just your thoughts in general, um, when it comes to the three guys at the top of the coaching pyramid and very inexperienced, but also a, lo a lot of relationships and been around football for a so, long time. So what is the cutoff for you in terms of inexperience or define inexperience for me? Well, so they're and they're inexperienced in their role, right? First time coordinator okay, for both okay. of them, and first time head coach. Well, except for time, Nick Holes, but first time in the NFL. In, in the NFL, sorry, yeah. As I, I said, he was the offensive coordinator at UNLV. Mountain Mountain West is exactly like the AFC West. Uh, so all three guys, like Wilson and Callahan, calling plays for the first time. It's ne they just never mm -hmm. have done it before. Doesn't mean they're not going to yeah. be brilliant. It just means they haven't done it. And all three in their role for the first time. So they now they are supported by lots of veteran pieces that they've hired. But uh, in general, it doesn't mean they're not going to be great. It doesn't mean anything. I'm just it, these are just yeah, okay. sort of the facts. Well, I mean, I just I just wonder because like 17 years in football seems like it's just a throwaway of not enough experience. But no, hey, been a, everybody been around. wanted everybody wanted 10 year Bobby Sloak to be the head coach, and but oh, no, 17 no, I, year Nick Holtz can't be the offensive coordinator. And that's <laughs> I'm not saying that you're saying that, but that's the general sentiment out there. Is like where where is this cutoff that? If you look at the resumes of Bobby Sloak and Nick Holtz before they even got to the offensive coordinator position, you know, before last year for Bobby Sloak, first off, they kind of look alike. But second off, and they kind of talk alike. They, they do not have great uh, Riz. Uh, interview skills. But um, no, no, I I, mean, as I said, as I said, I they've mean, been around the game a, a long resume, time. Right. I mean, like if you look at the resumes, Nick Holtz has a better resume. It's just that Bobby Sloak gets the benefit of the doubt because he's with Kyle Shanahan. Which I, I just find that it's just very convenient. It's very lazy analysis. And again, well, you are. I'm not saying that you are doing that. I am saying the general sentiment is is like, well, he's inexperienced, but he's got 17 years of pretty good football pedigree that they're all just throwing away because they just want to poo poo because it seems like he hired his bud. Which guess what? Everybody hires their bud in the NFL. And we just got done defending Mike Vrabel for hiring his buds. And again, you can't have it both ways, people. You can't say. Brian Callahan is my number one choice because he could build a really great staff and then start abandoning ship because he didn't get the guy that you really thought he was going to get or get the guy that you wanted. He got his top choice in both these, right? Denard Wilson was clearly his top choice for defensive coordinator. Uh, Nick Holtz was clearly his top choice for offensive coordinator. He got his dad. 
He's gotten, you know, I think he's let Denard Wilson build out his staff with mainly his input because of the times that he's been with Frank Bush twice. Nick, uh, Denard Wilson has he's been with Steven Jackson once. The, Steven Jackson also has scouting background. I mean, like to me, it's just like you look at all this stuff and I'm like, Nick Holtz in the big realm of things to hire is not something I'm really concerned about from an experience standpoint because he has 17 years of well, an NFL experience and he's carrying, he's not calling the plays. Yeah. He also doesn't have to do it. So uh, what I was going to say is if you're going to have one of the two coordinator hires be a, 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 a loyalty veteran experience. Cause I think he does to your point, he, he's been around the game a very long time. Uh, I mean, Tyke Tolbert, honestly for a wide receiver has been around the game a long time coaching receivers. <laughs> yeah. Um, so what's interesting to me is if you're going to have the young up and coming hyped up guy, it should be the guy who's not like, it should be the other guy and Callahan, you hire Brian Callahan and he's calling plays. I assume that was part of the process in the interview that he was going to call plays and it was going to be his offense. It makes the offensive coordinator role far less important than the defensive coordinator role. So you absolutely want the guy who is the red hot sort of up and comer that people love that want to be around. Hey, this is the guy that you stole. You want that guy to be opposite of Callahan number one, first and foremost, right? Because you don't. It well, does my, not matter as much about the offensive coordinator. You just hired Brian Callahan, twenty nineteen Brian Callahan, to be your offensive coordinator. You, Brian, this is Zach Taylor hiring Brian Callahan back in twenty nineteen, and I get it. Well, Brian Callahan was a position coach for a really long time, but I, I think some people kind of overinflate what that is versus what you have to do now. And what he is doing here is the role of a passing game coordinator, right? Like what he is doing here, because we assume right now that Justin Otten is still run game coordinator and running backs coach until we're told otherwise. So they already have a run game coordinator. They have Bill Callahan, and now they have a passing game coordinator slash offensive coordinator, even though he doesn't have that title. Essentially, was doing, well, essentially his job is to be Brian Callahan and deliver Brian Callahan's messages to the players, to the coaches, when Brian Callahan is doing something else that a head coach is required to do that doesn't allow him to be in a particular meeting room. And that's what he's doing. So you, to do that, you have to hire, you don't have to, but you hire someone that you trust and that you know can communicate the way you do. And what people may not know about Nick Colts is that, you know, I talked about it in here a few times that Brian Callahan and Zach Taylor met in spring break of 2005. Okay, they met way back in the day and they became friends and they did these football um, camps and summer camps together. And, they, you know, they they hosted them and taught people. Cliff Kingsbury was there. Nick Holtz was there. And we know Nick Holtz was already with Brian Callahan as quarterback and receiver at their high school. So they were all in the same group. It's maybe not the Shanahan sexy tree that you're looking for. But there <laughs> sure seems to be a pretty good tree and pedigree yeah. being built here. It's and like you're on the ground floor. But I mean, they're not as good looking as the Shanahan tree for the most part. But I, I think your ground floor, I think your ground floor line is really important here because I think look as to, yeah. to, to to tie together your best available comment from earlier in the show, which is this te this team does not have superstars at, at players. They need superstars, and you need to have ten or twelve or fourteen of them to win big in the NFL. And they have a couple. They need a lot more dogs, like big time stars. I think I said that in the middle of the season. And I was like, I just don't see it, guys. I just don't see the dogs. And so also you have a coaching staff. While there are some veteran pieces here supporting the top of the pyramid, the top of the pyramid is all inexperienced at this role 
at the roles that they've been hired to do. And to me, all it says is patience for the fan base. That's what it says. It's going to take time for, for this all to come together and to work. And unfortunately, it probably all, this is not fair, but it is what it is. It's going to all lay at Will Levis's feet, but, but it's just going to take time. It's early Bengals with Joe Burrow getting destroyed and getting hurt and them going like four and 12, I think one year, like that is, it's going to take some patience. You don't need to give it a lot of patience. I don't think you should be asking for more than one year of patience in the NFL, but I I do think the talent and the staff need to grow together. I I think. Well, and and that, that's the thing is like, everybody's like, well, you know, Jacksonville passing game sucks so much. Well, it didn't suck for like the first 13 weeks until Trevor Lawrence really got injured. In fact, it was better than the 2022 season. And then he got injured and it was terrible after he got injured. injured. Yeah. He was really injured. And uh, you know me, I'm not Trevor Lawrence guy. And I think Will Levis is 10 times better than Trevor Lawrence. I really don't. But uh, (laughs) I'm just joking. But I'm telling you that it's not as bad as what the end of the season left a bad taste in everyone's mouth. And that's fine. It's a lot of recency bias. And I understand it. But you really have to dive deep and kind of separate what was actually going on in Jacksonville. But um to your point about it being a little slow process, Chad Brinker was on the OTP on Friday and it was a, he dot dove into kind of not giving everything away, but dove into the sports medicine side or sports sites side. But a lot of his stuff was taught. First off, they 1000% believe in Will Levis. I am convinced that this staff and Brian Callahan included like not just coach speak or not just PR stuff. Like they're truly believing Will Levis. The second thing is is how they talk. He talks about team building being a process. You have to build through the draft. Building through the draft is number one priority, and that's what you got to do. And building through the yep. draft when you don't have a lot of picks is going to take time. And they're talking about building out the analytics department, he talked about it. It's right now view it as a startup because they didn't. They're starting and building it from scratch. So this is this in their minds. They know. That this whole process, while they can compete in the AFC South, because the AFC South's not that good, they while they feel they can compete, I, I think that you have to set your proper expectations like the best thing that this team can probably do next year is maybe go eight and eight, nine and eight, and then then build on top of that. I don't think you're going to see a an eleven to twelve win team currently. Free agency may change that, the draft may change that, but you have to understand. They understand that it's going to take a year, a year or two. They they spoken, you know, what it is today will not be what it is in three years. So I think they are looking at a three-year plan. I think everybody needs to be on board with that. Yeah, and I do think this division could change quickly. If Anthony Richardson and C.J. Stroud continue to make strides and Trevor Lawrence is healthy, I, you could have a very well quarterback division in two years if Will Levis takes steps. And I think a top, I think another top ten pick, but development from Will Levis. Now we're already into expectation setting before the Super Bowl even happens. But I, I, we can we can we got all off season to do that. But I do think patience is the right word here. Um, th- this maybe speaks to why Vrabel should have been fired the year before. In theory, if you want to play that card, I understand. I don't agree, but I understand why you would say that. In theory, if you're a Titans fan, because then you could have started the clock at that point, right? With with a new general manager and a new coach, you probably could have hired Bill Callahan 
at, at this time last year, uh, Bill, Bill Callahan, Brian Callahan there. I did it for the first time. Um, so there you go. Uh, make sure you check out Sinker's Beverages, the Kingston Group as well. We We're have start... in news. It's oh, not breaking news. news or anything. Did your, do- did your other dog kiss the other dog back? Yeah, the uh, Tennessee Titans, former Tennessee Titans special teams uh, coordinator, Craig Ackerman, is interviewing for the Buccaneers. Which, by the way, sell, sell, sell on the Buccaneers. They hired Liam Cohen as their offensive coordinator, and now maybe possibly hiring Craig Ackerman. Sell, sell, sell. But secondly, just so, just so you guys know that that was the leaping point for Mike Garofalo to report that the Titans are also interviewing Thomas McGahey um, or Magahi. I don't know how you pronounce it for their special teams job, who has been the special teams coordinator for the New York Giants from two, 2018 to twenty twenty three. Uh, he took over for Thomas Quinn back in 2018. That's was that's multiple regimes. Sure. He was he was kept on through multiple regimes. It sounds like right because because Dayball's only in his third year, right? I think so. Yeah. Uh, yes. Yes. Yeah, so. so I would have to look at the New York Giants special team rankings yeah, for yeah. all that kind of stuff, but I don't know anything about the Giants special teams in the big scheme of things. All right. Um, well, special thanks to Sinkers Beverages and Kingston Group for supporting you and all the guys that did all the work. You got you folks down there in Mobile, uh, you and Stoney, uh, of course, JT and Easton, as well as our great sponsors, Lions Ford. Make sure you check them out, of course. If you're looking for a new vehicle, uh, give them a ring. Bluegrass Beverages, all the sponsors, Boombox Pizza. You guys were great. Shouts to all you guys for all the work that you did down there. Uh, Stackintheinbox.com is a great place to get all of that content if you want to go back and relive all of it. Uh, so uh, make sure you do that. And again, stay tuned. Subscribe to the 440 Sports YouTube page. We've got preseason, early preseason SEC team rankings up there. We're going to rank the coaches over there. We've got a lot of SEC football content for you on the website, so check that out. Uh, and uh, some news coming soon about the NFL draft uh, and how we're going to interact with you, the fans, and you, the audience, this this year like we kind of did last year. What do you think of the uh, the new makeup here in the background? What do you think? All new. I, like I, got, I, like I got that. I got that guy who stole money from like poor children in Mississippi off the war off the wall. <laughs> so looking good. So he's gone. He's gone. Uh, there is right here over my shoulder. This right here is an autographed Warren Moon photo in those old Houston Oilers blues. It's pretty awesome. It's, I'm not gonna lie. It's pretty awesome. So, uh, all right. Thank you guys for listening. Thank you guys for subscribing. We do appreciate it. You can check out the podcast as well. Football and other f words as well. Mike Herndon, by the way, was on Landstream Sports last week. So check out that episode. A lot of analytics talk in there. So we do appreciate your time. Thank you for listening. Sinkers Beverages and the Kingston Group for Zach. I am Braden. Have a great week, everybody. We will preview the Super Bowl on Thursday. Talk to you then.